Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Jizz Talking for a Sunday. I know there's playoff games on. I know there's a big game in California, but have no fear. Rob Spallone is here. Rob, how are we doing tonight? All good. We're good. I know you're at work, and uh, we really appreciate you taking a little time out of uh, of your schedule there at Monty's to uh, help us out here tonight on playoff weekend. I know we don't have the world's biggest crowd with us tonight on Zoom, but uh, the, the the playbacks will be fantastic. You are a hustler. You are a promoter and also an AVN award winner. Um, let's let's talk a little bit of how your history got started. Uh, you started in New York, then moved to California. Let's fill in the parts real quick. Um, I came, my parents were already out here. They were one of the first, uh, they were the first video company. And then I came out in 95. They closed in 96. And I opened my own thing in 96. Right. It probably back in the day, if they didn't buy a video from your family, they didn't buy a video. I mean, you guys were tops in the market for a long time. Well, they were the, they were the only, how you doing? They were the only ones. Yeah. And then a few more companies opened. And then 96 and 97, they came out with that digital camera. And everybody and their mother opened the company. Right. Now, how did you compete against that or didn't you compete with them? I just, I got involved with a little bit of everything. I mean, I opened the AIDS clinic. I opened uh, the modeling agency. And then I was producing 16 movies a month. Yeah, I mean, you are... A hustler, a promoter. I always said that uh, Rob could promote the world's tallest midget, the world's shortest giant. I mean, that's the kind of guy <laughs> Rob is. You just you can promote anything. And well, I mean, everybody, everybody was shooting the same thing. If you went into the video store, all the movies looked the exact same. Prettiest girl on the box cover was um, the prettiest girl in the movie was on the box cover. So I started to shoot the midgets and the fat women and the old ladies, and uh, it took off. You had a, a movie come out that Cat uh, helped you out with, Cat Cleavage. Uh, it was the uh, uh, 300-pound uh, gangbang. Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, it was with guys that weighed over 300 pounds. It was a funny story. I was shooting a movie. It was called The Freak Show. I never met Cat. It was on a Saturday. And I rolled up to the set. I booked her over the phone. Um. She was an old, she was 40 years old at the time, which was old. Mm. I mean, the average girl was 18 to 21. So I pull up. She doesn't know who I am. People are outside smoking and talking. And I hear her say, I'm going to be famous. And I turned around and I said, you'll never be famous. <laughs> she goes, what do you mean? I says, two reasons. She said, why? One, you're too ugly. Two, you're too old. And she was mad. She's like, who the fuck are you? So I said, I'm just kidding. But uh, you're definitely too old. So then I went inside. I come out and I pull her over, and she was a smart girl. She told me she was hooking since she's 14 years old, all over the place, New York, Hawaii, and she's on um, some websites for hooking, and she wanted to get in the porno business so she could raise up prices. So I go back out. I said, let me ask you a question. I says, I can make you famous. She says, what do you mean? 
I says, you got to be able to trust me. And uh, you got to do what I tell you to do. She goes, but I don't even know you. I says, ask everybody here. I've been around. They all know who I am. She comes about a half hour later. She says, are you serious? You can make me famous? I said, yeah, but you got to trust me. She says, I trust you. I says, all right, let me think of something. About an hour later, I says, I got it. I'm going to put you on the Howard Stern show. You're going to fuck big, fat people. I said, you told me you were a hooker since you're 14. So I'm sure you've had sex with fat people, whatever. So I call up Stern on Monday. I tell Gary the story. He says, come in. I call her up. I says, we're going to New York on Wednesday. So we get on the plane. And she says to me, listen, you don't have to pay me for this. And I'm like, what? She goes, I'm going to be so busy and so famous that you don't have to pay me. And I'm saying to myself, once people find out about this, nobody's going to ever want to fuck her again. With that, I put up a website that cost me $45. It was one of my biggest paydays in porn. So I go on the Stern Show. I announce the website. It was uh, www.worldsbiggestgangbang.com. And three weeks later, no, so I stayed in New York a few days. She went to Chicago to do a trick. We meet back up the following week. I take her to lunch. And I said, listen, we're going to shoot the movie this weekend. Blah, blah, People are already calling to sign up. So I wasn't paying anybody. So anybody over 300 pounds want to fuck a porno girl, get in touch with me. So we're at lunch, and her phone bit me 40 times in the hour we were there. It didn't even work. And I'm saying, I thought no one's ever going to want to deal with her again. People are calling her up. They want to fuck her. So I put the shoot together. I... There was, I think, 30-something people. And out of the 30-something people, six or eight of them were women over 300 pounds. So I gave them strap-ons. So the stage was set up. I, I rented, I bought her an old wedding dress for 100 bucks. Now remember, I'm not paying her. I'm not paying anybody. I paid for the set $1,000. I spent more money on food that day than I spent on 10 movies. <laughs> so I had four cameramen I said just let the thing roll I come out in a tuxedo and I get up there and I says listen we're filming I'm going to be a little nasty and a little abusive to everybody but it's going to all be in fun now I need you to come up here one at a time I'm going to weigh you in so they get on the scale they put one leg the fucking scale would flow so then I bring her out and my theory my whole thought was no one's going to fuck her. I mean, none of them are professionals. How are they going to get it up? Blah, blah. Every single one of them fucked her. It was insane. Then I turned around and had a little cameraman, a little Chinese guy. He's fucking one of the fat women. It turned out to be the craziest set. I shoot the whole movie in two hours. Finished, done. I sold it the next day. It cost me less than... $2,000 to shoot the whole movie. And then me and her became friends. Um, she was really, because she wasn't a kid. Like Christmas, she came to the office. She brought uh, Christmas cards for me, for my crew. 
She gave everybody in the crew $100. She put $500 in a Christmas card. I can't take your money. And we became friends. And then I, as a matter of fact, I even put her in one of the Sopornos. I think. And I shot her about 15, 20 times. And that was it. I speak to her now maybe once a year. We stayed in touch. But I've been out like 17 years already. So after I shoot that, I decided I wanted to shoot the world's smallest gangbang. I was going to get a bunch of midgets. <laughs> I couldn't more than three one time. I, and I put up the website, worldsmallestgangbang.com, through the Stern Show, with um, Brooke Hunter was going to be the girl that fucked the midgets. And I couldn't get more than three of them. And I looked everywhere. And so I never ended up shooting that one. Wow. And, and you see, when it, I, I watched some of that world's biggest gangbang, and, and you were so creative because you wrote the website on the girls' ass. Because uh, yeah. the, there's three axe handles wide, as we call it in Iowa. And uh, uh, they just wrote the website on the, on the women's ass. We put high to Jarek in the, in the movie. All right. So, cool. It was, uh, it took me, I had nightmares for about six weeks. <laughs> it was crazy. They were eating the pizzas. They were folding pizza pies in half and eating them like they were a slice. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, it cost you more in food to feed everybody than it was uh, to actually pay any talent. I shoot movies all the time. In the morning, you had bagels and coffee, cost me about 40 bucks. Lunch was about 150 and if we were running late, I'd buy pizza at night for 100 I spent, I think, like fifteen hundred on food that day. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Rob hey, Spahn hey. is our guest tonight on uh, on Just Talking. Don't forget next week. Hey, we're gonna have a special tribute to a guy who just popped in on us, uh, Eric Edwards. Eric, we're gonna have a special tribute for you next week. Gonna have a few of your friends here, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Eric Edwards next week. How about that? That sound good? I don't yeah. think he hears you. It does. Uh, anyway, I bet. Uh, He'll, he'll be with us next week. Eric will be with us next week, and we'll have a good a good tribute for Eric Edwards. Uh, let's talk about other things now. You uh, you kind of went in competition there for a while with, with Jim South and, and Reb and some of the other ones out there. Well, back then, it was only them two, and there was another guy, Reagan Center. So I come out. I'm only out a few months. And I says, to, and I, my father did everything in-house. You know, we had the duplicating room. We had the stage. So if we weren't shooting a movie, we'd rent the stage out. So there was a movie being shot there every day. So I got to meet everybody. All the talent would come there to work. So I said to my father one day, I said, Dad, why do you pay these agents six, $700 every time we shoot a movie? He said, mind your business. This business has been around a long time without you. That's how it works. So about four months later, I said, fuck this. I never met Jim South. Reb I met a few times because his wife did um, makeup at our place. So every time a girl came in, I would get her phone number, and I would take a picture of her and blow it up to an 8 by 10 and put it on the wall in my office. Jim South had a book with uh, Polaroids. So if you wanted to see his girls, you had to go to his office. So... I was shooting a movie, and I booked this girl, 
Her name was Selena. Real pretty girl. So I go out to lunch. I come back, and my mother says, uh, Reb's on the phone for you. Now, I only know one rep. I, know, I met him like two times. So I pick up the phone, and I says, hello. He says, Rob Spallone? I said, yes. He said, uh, this is Reb. And I says, uh, Reb? Who's uh, Reb who? He says, you know me. We met a few times, about six foot two with a beard, blah, blah. I said, oh, yeah, what can I do for you, sir? He says, we have a problem. And he's getting a little nasty. I says, what kind of problem do we have, sir? He says, uh, you no longer, your father no longer pays my fee, and you're using one of my girls tomorrow. I said, who's that, sir? He said, Selena. I said, yeah, I am using her. And I would tell every girl, listen, sign with me. Stay with your agent. If they get you work, they'll get paid. And I'm going to get you more work than them anyway. So with that, he tells me, well, you can't shoot her. I said, excuse me? He says, you cannot shoot her. I said, you, then I got angry, can suck my fucking dick. <laughs> he said, you don't know the people that I'm connected to, blah, 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 blah. I said, I don't know the people you're connected to. They could suck my dick, too. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we're shooting tomorrow, and I'll probably be the last one out of here. Because he told me he knew motorcycle guys, this and that. So I said, Listen, you know exactly where we are. We were on a little tiny street with a railroad track down a dark alley. I said, I'm going to be the last one here tomorrow. I locked that gate all by myself at 1 o'clock in the morning. Send whoever the fuck you want to send. So then, of course, nobody came. We were at war. Now I decided I don't need to make any money off of this. I need to destroy this guy. So now if you wanted to shoot any of my girls, I didn't charge you. I did it for free. Then Jim South was starting to get, you know, his people were coming to me, blah, blah, blah. So once a month, I think, Jim had a cattle call at his office for all the producers to go see, you know, his new girls and stuff. So I, in his little office, I decided to do a cattle call with a big giant barbecue, owners of all the companies. Every month with wine out at my place. So my name got out there pretty quick. Jim South was freaking out. So I, I made sure I told certain people that I knew would run back to like Jim and Reb. They had certain guys that worked for them. I'd tell them, yeah, I'm shooting this one tomorrow. Fuck that. They'd run back and tell their agents. With all of that said, Jim's having a cattle call. So I says, Fuck this. I go. I had no intentions of going into his office. I was hanging out out front. So I pull up, and there's a guy on every corner with a walk talking. I hear them saying, he's here. He's here. Jim had hired a whole bunch of bodyguards or security because he thought I was going to come to his office. So the two guys come up. They say, you can't be here. I said, what do you mean I can't be here? So there's Steve Orton who worked for Jim. He comes downstairs, gets in my face. I said, well, you can't, I said, listen, I could be wherever the fuck I want to be. Two hookers are walking up the street. I give them my card. Nothing happens. Now, I go to lunch about a month later. Reb's almost out of business. I go to lunch. I come back. And my mother said, what did you do now? I said, what's up? She said, Russ Hampshire called. 
I said, who the fuck is Russ Hampshire? Russ owned the biggest company at the time was VCA. Right before Stevie had passed him with Vivid. So I says, give me his number. Nobody in the office wanted to give me his phone number. My father was away. My father's partner was in, he had retired, he was in Vegas. So I call him up. I said, Howie, listen, I need this guy, Russ's phone number. He's Rob, I'll give you the number. Just be very respectful. He's a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. So I call up. And I said, Russ Hampshire, please. And he gets on the phone. I says, hello. And I don't know how he knew. We never met. He says, is this Joe's son? Maybe from the way I spoke or whatever. I said, yeah. I says, let me tell you something. I says, first of all, I'm not a kid. I'm 30-something years old at the time. I says, you're calling my father? Why are you calling my father? You got a problem, you call me. So we start to talk. He says, why don't you come up to my office? So I get in my car and I drive up. We were in North Hollywood. That's where the porno industry first started, not Chatsworth. As it got bigger, the rents were cheaper in Chatsworth, so everybody moved to Chatsworth. Russ was in Chatsworth. So I pull up. I thought my father had a big company. This fucking place is huge. So I pull up the receptionist. I go in and go in Russ's office. Big fucking door. He presses the button. The door closes. He says, let me ask you a question. Why are you fighting with Jim South, blah, 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 with the agency? Blah, do you make a lot of money with this? I says, to be honest with you, I don't make 10 cents. He says, what do you mean? I says, I don't charge anybody in it to bust their balls because they told me I couldn't do it. He goes, you're crazy. I said, a little bit. He says, I'll tell you what. End this feud with Jim South, and I'll make sure you earn a lot of money. I said, done. He calls up Jim as I'm sitting there. He says, Jim, I have Rob Spawn in my office. We're going to come see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Russ Hampshire don't leave his office for nobody. But Jim got all scared and nervous, so he called Russ. He didn't know what to do. So the next day, 1 o'clock, tells me to meet him at Jim South's. I pull up to Jim South's. Russ and Jim are outside. We go upstairs. He had like three little offices. We are sitting, get in an office. Jim sits behind the desk. Russ sits on the couch, and I sit at the chair. Russ doesn't say a word. Jim starts to talk. I says, listen. Before you say another word, there's no more fighting. I'm going to close the modeling agency down. And when I shoot a movie, I'm not going to pay you. I'm going to give you a flat fee of $200. That's how this is going to go. So we talk for a while. We're done. He says, we get up. He says to uh, me, says, uh, excuse me, can I get this in writing? And I looked at Russ, and I'm like, get it right. I just gave you my word. Get, I said, get what in writing? That you're going to close the modeling agency down? I said, I, Russ said, just, yeah. So we leave. Two days later, my phone rings. Hi, this is Jim South. Rob, can you come by my office? I go to his office. He hands me a stack of papers, about 30, 40 papers, which I'm sure it cost him anywhere from 2500 to 5000 he says, this is the, for you to sign that you close down the modeling agents. I said, are you serious? Where do I sign? With that, he says to me, aren't you going to read it? I said, first of all, I don't know how to read. I never went to school. 
and it'll take me fucking two days to read 30 pieces of paper. So I signed the paper. We became great friends after that. His lawyer that wrote the papers, I became friends with. We played in a card game uh, once a week for 20 years. And me and Jim became good friends. Russ was a man of his word. He calls me up. He says, listen, I'm going to start a new line. I forget what it was, VCA Platinum or something. It was a, P a VCA Gonzo line. He says, you're going to shoot a movie for me every month. Now, people that work for us, like uh, Jim Holiday, they shot maybe three movies a year, Cass Paley. He's, he's offering me 12 movies a month. So I shoot one, two, three months in a row. And after three months, I hit Russ. Let me shoot one of these big, you know, my budgets back then were about eight to 10,000. He was giving me 16,000. I was making myself like eight grand a day. So I, I wanted to shoot one of these big movies. His movies were like 40, 50 grand. So I'm busting, I'm asking, asking. Finally, says, you know what? Shoot two Gonzos. Now he's giving me two at a time to shoot. People in the office were like, what the fuck does this Stallone kid have against Russ that Russ has given him all these movies, 24 movies? Finally, in 99, I said, let me shoot a big, shoot whatever you want. Uh, in North Hollywood, there was a, a small studio. And in fact, that's where I met you, I believe, that was the my first time. Studio. That was Gourmet Video. What was that called? Gourmet Video. Ah, okay. Right and Raymer. What was the name of that street? It started with an M. Huh? Raymer. Raymer. Oh, that's right. Okay. That was like a side street. Right. And then my father built Milton English Studio. And Howie was like, Joe, if you build a studio over there, you're never going to be here. So my father gave it to Milton to run. And then Milton gave it to Bobby. <laughs> that was a cute little place, though. Yeah. It was kind of like tucked back away from the main road. Yeah, uh, we were down the alley. Yeah, okay. Right. Well, you answered my question. So back, so back to the Sopornos then. Uh, so Russ says, do whatever you want. I came up with an idea. I shot a movie. I charged him about 20000 less than he would have paid. And it was a big hit because I became friends with everybody in his office the bookkeeper, the money people, and they were like, the salesmen, they were like, I put them in the movie. And uh, it sold really well. And I left it, it was the first time, and I'm not no rocket scientist, I ended the movie with me being in the shrink's office saying, should I kill these guys? And the camera cuts to the woman who was playing my uh, shrink, which was Wendy Nitz, and she like was in shock and that's how the movie ended because i would knew i was going to shoot a continuation it took me a year to convince russ to let me shoot part two he goes you know what shoot part two and part three so i shot two that year <laughs> i ended up shooting nine of them total and he had sold after the, i think the fourth or the fifth one to uh larry flint and they made sure that i kept shooting them and I could have shot him for myself at that point and kept them. Uh, but I told him I wouldn't, I, and I didn't. Okay. James, uh, do you have a question for uh, Rob Spallone? Nice to meet you, Rob. Wonderful to meet you. Um, 
I've been a, uh, I was a, a reviewer for about maybe six years. And uh, I've spoken with, uh, with a lot of the uh, people on the inside, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the performers, but I always love speaking to the directors because they always have the greatest stories. They've seen everything. And uh, the one thing that, so out of, and I love to collect, I love to try to collect and see the, the craziest, wildest stories that I can hear. So what is the craziest thing that you've ever seen on set? Okay. There. So there's plenty of crazy stories. Uh, but which one, which one tops them all? I was shooting a movie. Now, after I, my parents closed, I couldn't get my own place. Nobody wanted to rent me because I was in the business. So I ended up renting a house for like back then, 5,000 a month. I said, that'll be my office and I'll shoot my movies there every year. I'll just move. I rent a big house with a swimming pool. And I let a lot of the girls in the business live in the house. So I would shoot my movies, go home to my wife and kids, and then come in in the morning. And that was my office. So shooting a movie one night, Nancy V lived at the house. Nancy V was big in the 80s, 90s. So one of the girls, it was the last scene of the night, and a girl had canceled. Didn't show up. No show. So Nancy's dad said, Nancy, do me a favor. I need you to do a scene. Fine. She'll do anything I say. Every morning I come to work and she would tell me she don't do drugs anymore. There'd be coke all over her face. She was nuts. <laughs> she'd bring me a cup of coffee. I said, I don't drink coffee. So Alec Metro is going to fuck in the kitchen. So we start the scene. Nancy's in lingerie, washing the dishes. Alex comes home for work, and they're going to fuck right there in the kitchen. So I get the scene started, and it's 10 minutes of pussy eating, 12 minutes of pussy eating, 12 minutes of a blowjob, and like 15 minutes of sex total in three different positions. So I go in my office to write the checks. I come out about an hour later, and they're still on pussy eating, and I start screaming. They're like, Rob, shh, we're shooting. I said, I don't give a fuck. I, I, I didn't say an hour. How are you still on pussy? Get to the blowjob. Get to the fucking scene. So she was sitting on the kitchen counter, and it, Alex had a G-string pulled over, and he's eating them. So they go back to the position. Alex takes, goes to bite her panties off. As he bites, she screams, and you hear Jim DiGiorgio shooting camera. You hear her scream. Alex go spit into the sink and you hear something thump into the sink. He uh, bit a piece of pussy lip off. Ooh. Blood is gushing. She's crying. Makeup's running down her family. Like, Rob, I'm sorry. She's telling me she's sorry. Sorry. It burns. It burns. Send someone to get peroxide, blah, blah, blah. She goes to me. Rob, I'm so sorry. I said, Nancy, relax. Not your fault. She goes, listen, I won't charge you. I'll do the whole scene anal. I can't do it in the pussy. It burns too much. I'm like, we'll shoot the scene another day. That's the craziness and the stories. And they're not made up because they're all on film. But the, wow. the craziest shit I've seen, that's one. One time I was shooting a movie. I had rented another house with Jim South. We were partners on the house. And I was getting satellite TV put into the house. So we're shooting the movie. All of a sudden, around 10 o'clock, two Mexican kids show up. 
we're here to put the satellite in. I said, oh, you got to be real quiet. We're shooting a porno. You're shooting a porno, man. I want to be in a porno. I said, bro, it's not that easy. I said, I have trouble fucking if somebody's in the next room. Never mind 10 people watching and a light up your ass. I can do it, man. I can do it. He goes, goes what? what? He goes, I got bull bearing dick. I said, what? He goes, I just got out of prison. When I was in there, I took a toothbrush, I filed it down, I cut my dick, and I put ball bearings in the shaft of my dick. When I fucked the girls, it rubs on me. I says, get the fuck out of here. Because you want to see? I said, you pull your fucking pants down in front of me, I'll kill you. I get three or four of the girls, I said, come look at this guy's dick. Because I've never heard of this or seen this. The guy fucking put ball bearings. And then, you know, over the years, I've met a bunch of people that have done it. But this is just the crazy nonsense of being in that wow. business of what went on. And when you're in that business, listen, there might have been 15 millionaires in that whole business. That's it. A lot of people acted like they were a millionaire. I mean, I knew people that drove Rolls Royces and couldn't park at their office because the repo guy was looking for <laughs> And so right away, you're in the porno business, you're a millionaire, and you're around beautiful women. Not everybody was a millionaire. And I fucked three, 400-pound women and midgets. I'm afraid of midgets. So I wasn't around beautiful women all the time. <laughs> well, like I say, well, like I said, you know, the reason I just love to, to speak to directors because directors, they've got all the great, all the best stories. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you telling me that one. Okay, thank you. Yeah, definitely for Rob. Uh, with the state of affairs in the porn industry now, would you consider doing another film, your style? And if you would what what would you think of um doing now, that would shock out, everybody i've been out so long i mean i don't even know half the players in the business anymore and when, when i told you i shot 16 movies a month in the valley we probably shot 200 movies a month they're lucky if they shoot 10 movies a month now the business is done it's over uh big Girls made $1,000 a day back then. Now there's some girls on that uh, OnlyFans. Tell you a quick story. Three weeks ago, my phone rings. Some lady calls me up. She goes, Rob Spallone. I said, yeah. She said, I don't know if you remember me. I interviewed you 25. I said, listen, lady, I'm out of the business. What could I do for you? She said, uh, you had the series called The Sopornos. I said, yeah. She said, um, the girl who played Adriana on The Sopranos just joined OnlyFans. And I'm like, she joined OnlyFans. She's got to be in her 50s. Isn't OnlyFans for kids? So uh, what happened was the girl who played Adriana, she went on OnlyFans, and on her bio, the only thing she put was the Sopornos. So that was on a Wednesday. Friday, my phone rings, and it's a woman that I know, Bella Thorne's mother. She's an agent to a lot of the girls on OnlyFans. She says, Robin, come to the restaurant. I need a table for eight. I said, okay. So she gets here, and I says, who else is coming? She's my daughter, my husband, uh, this one, that one, the girl who played Adriana on The Sopranos. I said, get the fuck out of here. Two days ago, this lady called me up, blah, blah, blah. With that, Adriana comes walking in, and I says, she don't know me. I says, let me ask you a question. She goes, what is it? I says, you just joined OnlyFans, and the only thing you put on your thing was The Sopranos. Why'd you do that? She says, uh, she's looking at me like, why are you even asking? She said, well, in my contract, I'm not allowed to promote The Sopranos for anything. And I remember James Gandolfini and all of them talked about The Sopranos, so I put it. 
She goes, why do you ask? I said, I am the Sopranos. She goes, get the fuck out of here. You got to fuck all those girls. She was super cool. She grew up in the next town from where I did in New York. And um, because even like, every, you know, like I said before, there was only a few millionaires in the business. A lot, all of these girls had nothing. Nothing. I mean, Jenner at one point was worth about $8 million. There's probably only one handful of girls from the business back then that have 10 cents. The rest of them, you know, they didn't save it. They blew right through it. But as far as me coming back, the only thing that I would want to do was like this conversation we're having to show the world what it was really like. It wasn't fucking, I mean, they shot boogie nights in my office. It wasn't a big orgy scene every day after work. You know, I shot my movies. I went home. But uh, for the world to know, like, listen, shoot a movie. It's 86, 92 minutes. It took me 16 hours to shoot those 86, 92 minutes. Who can't get a hard on? Uh, who gets their period in the middle of this? All the craziness and nonsense that went on. It wasn't as easy as everybody thought. So, like I said, that would be the only thing that I would want to do is to show the world what it was really like. Okay. All right. Roxanne's with us. Roxanne, go ahead. Question for Rob. Uh, hi, Rob. Uh, Roxanne, uh, so I was looking through some of your titles, and I, I see you did a lot of work with interracial uh, interracial movies. And it seemed uh, a little before my time, but uh, I appreciate that. Can you tell me some more about the uh, interracial movies you did? Not, um... That ended up being, I think, one company back then. It might have been Christian Man. I'm not sure. Uh, he opened an all-black company. And I was, I'll shoot anything. And um, there's a niche for everything. Everything sells. And I had a series uh, that I shot for Fat Dog called Dump in the Trunk. It was, you know, girls with big asses. I had, my father had a swirl fest. It was black girls and white guys or white guys and black girls. It didn't matter to me. It was just about getting it done. The cheaper you got it done, the better it was. Because, listen, you were lucky if you sold 1,000 to 3,000 movies. It wasn't like you were saying, I was like, that's all you sell? There's fucking thousands of stores all over the world. And that's all you sold. So it wasn't as huge as everybody thought it was. And then what happened was a lot of the company, you know, when I first came out, my father's company was shooting two movies a month. Then they went to four movies. What you didn't realize, and I was shooting for Legend. They were shooting 12 movies a month. But if you'll have salespeople selling to somebody and they're buying, say, 20 of each movie you come out with, and now you double the amount of movies, they're only going to buy 10 of each movie. They're not going to buy 20. The store ain't big enough to hold that. You understand what I'm trying to say? So it wasn't as big as everybody thought it was. Does that answer your question, Roxanne? Yes. <laughs> okay, great. Richard Pacheco's with us. Richard, how are we doing? How are we doing? Hi. Pleasure to meet you. And pleasure to hear your stories. When I was active, it was before you, I think, started uh, in the 70s, or maybe you were just getting your feet in. Um, oh. And in my time, uh, my mentor was Sam Weston, Anthony Spinelli. And he was my protector and uh, he used me for his movies and pretty much steered me away from everything you're talking about. Uh, 
Um, uh, when I would I get a call out of New York, somebody wanted to hire me, and I'd, I'd say to Sam, uh, this guy called me, wants me to work with him. Sam said, oh, you don't want to work for him. And I'd say, I'd say, what do you mean? He said, because, no, he's not shooting movies. He's breaking legs. And I yeah. said, thank you very much. Sam, so, when I met him, excuse me, when I met him, he already had the Alzheimer's. Oh, man. And, and it was so sad. And I became yes. very good friends with the, my parents were friends with him and his wife. Yes. Parents, two boys and a daughter. Mitch yeah. Spinelli in the business did very, did very well, really respected, really liked um, the brother and the sister were not in the business, but great family. And I mean, he was around when Ron, Su listen, Ron Sullivan worked for me for years. Henry Pichard. Yeah. Ron, nobody knew. Ron was one of the very first people in this whole bit. Ron owned theaters in Chicago. And then the mob took the theaters away from him, from him. And then he came out here and got into the business. And here's another guy, him, Bobby Hollander. These guys were in the business in the very beginning. They all died penniless. When my parents got busted in the 80s, um, Tommy, uh, not Tommy, Bobby Hollander had an office in my father's office. And when they got busted, they got subpoenaed to go to North Carolina. Bobby's telling the, the, the police, you know, he needs money for food. They're like, you're Bobby Hollander. You're a big director. You've been around for, they didn't have no money. Yeah. Because in my business, you made money so easily. I mean, I'd go to Vegas and lose 100000 in five minutes. And that's a lot of money. But, and you were miserable when you lost. But my thing was, oh, big deal. I'm, you know, I'll make it back in the next few weeks. Because when you make it easy, you spend it easy. And there was very few people that have money in that business. Yeah. Well, I knew that from Sam because he never had any money. He was always uh, having to suck on Sidney Neekirk's tit to get his <laughs> money. Yep. Or who... Or whoever he he'd find these guys that would back him, and it always started out with a three picture deal. Right. And by the end of the first picture, they couldn't talk to each other. Sam used to go from one to the next to the next like that. I mean, Jim South had money because Jim was in a different end of the business, but Jim also produced. He produced a lot of movies, not you know, with that people didn't know about. But he made all his money because if you, you know, you wanted to shoot a movie, you had to pay Jim South fifty dollars if they're shooting a hundred movies today. And they're using fucking 300 people. He was making a lot of money. But as far as the companies and stuff, it wasn't as big as everybody thinks it was. I mean, if you had a good deal with Playboy, which I did, I'd shoot a movie for $10,000 and I'd get 17000 from Playboy. Plus, I still own the movie to sell it. So it was easy if, you know, you had to have the right connections. Yeah. People call me I can make a movie for you. That doesn't mean I What are you going to do if I make a movie? Oh, I have 50 grand. I want you to make a movie. I make but I'm not going to rob your money, which I could have. And I can make it, but what do you do with it? Well, can't you sell it? I said, if it was that easy, why would I shoot movies like to be shooting for myself? I never got into that end because I'm the type that doesn't like anybody owing me money. And if you do, well, I'm going to kill you either way the same way. I'm going to come out wait for a thousand. So I never got into the distribution. Everybody wanted me to. But in that business, you got to, who goes for 30, 90 days, who don't pay. There were so many people that went bankrupt, opened up another name. It was crazy to me. I had a reputation of going to your office and going money. 
So nobody wanted to owe me money. So I dealt with whoever I wanted. <clears throat> I mean, in the beginning, me and Jim stopped like cats and dogs. We became best friends. I mean, I threw him a birthday party before he passed. Um, we got very close. People like, I'd be in his office like, wow, Spallone's in Jim South's office. Spallone wanted to kill him. Jim wanted to have him killed. But, you know, I gave him my word. He gave me his, and we worked fine together. All right. Good enough. That's, um, I'll put up a picture here. This is, uh, if you if you look at the uh, our, our, our website or the, the uh, Facebook page here, this is the uh, picture you see, and this is from Jim South's uh, birthday party and what I had was I had two pictures and I had a, a graphics person put them together so they're all one big picture they had half of the people over on one side half on the other and I had a guy put the picture together so it's one big panoramic picture so Great was, day. yeah it really was Jim was uh Jim was in his element that day it was really really a nice day Adam is with us Adam go ahead uh, question for uh Rob Spallone Oh, hello, Rob. Thanks for me being on the show tonight. I had a question uh, about the porno series, one of my favorite parodies, uh, parody series of all time. Great sex, great girls. But uh, with Herschel Savage's recent passing, and he was in the first one, I believe, what is your favorite Herschel's, Herschel Savage story? Herschel was in, I think, all of them. I think I might have cut him out of one. But... Um, in that in those movies, there was no script. There was a big storyline. We had lived the whole thing. We had a lot of fun making them. Um, it was funny when I first did the first one in VCA. You would have to use a contract girl for his big movies, and she had to be in three of the seven scenes. Every movie I ever shot was five scenes. Russ had seven scene movies for his features. So he gives me a girl to shoot. I can't think of her name, and it'll come to me. And uh, I never met her. She was a contract girl for VCA. I didn't deal with contract girls. Same way I didn't know uh, Christy Canyon until I met her at Bill Margo's funeral. Because she was a contract girl, we never met because I didn't use those girls. So uh, the girl comes up to my office to meet me. We're all hanging out. And I tell her, I, the movie's going to be this. I'm, I'm going to play Bobby Soprano instead of Tony Soprano. I'm going to kill people, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to have a great, there's no script. You come. My sets are really easy. And she leaves. The movie, we're shooting the movie in like two weeks. A day before I'm shooting the movie, I get a phone call. She don't want to be, Stacey Valentine. She don't want to be in the movie because the story's not about her. So I'm in full panic. Call up Why I'm coaching. I call up. He goes, what do you mean she don't want to be in the movie? Because it's not a, fuck her. Spallone, use whoever you want, and she's done. I gave Tabitha Stevens the shot. Tabitha became super big from, you know, being on the Howard Stern show all those times from The Sopranos, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the movie was a big hit. This girl, I don't know what she was thinking. And maybe because she never dealt with a director like me, was that was like, my attitude was like, listen, we're just here to have fun, get it done, and that's it. But, um, so every time I shot a movie for us, I was able to use whoever I wanted. And um, Herschel and me were very close. I put Herschel in all my movies. Uh, he was one of the 
guys, it might have been 10 of them, that can actually act. He liked it. I had guys that were great in the business that could fuck the gas cap on your car, but they couldn't act. And Herschel loved being him. Tony Tateshi was in a few with them. I killed him in part two or part three. He calls me up when I'm sure Tice Boonet, one of those two guys. I killed them both in this one of them. They called me up. Oh, they heard I was making another one. Every time I found out I was making another one, every, the phone would ring off the hook. Oh, I, I, how can I put you back? Have a good night. Thanks very much. Stay safe. You got it. I says, how can I put you in the movie? I killed you in the last. Oh, but we never showed me at the at a funeral. We made believe I uh, survived. They all getting <laughs> so much advertisement and publicity because of the title, not because I made it. It was the title that sold the movie. Right, right, and. Um, Go ahead, Adam. Go okay. Ahead. Uh, one quick uh, question. You mentioned the uh, Playboy stuff that you shot. What kind of stuff did you shoot for Playboy? Whenever I shot a feature, we shot two cameras. One we shoot a softcore version. One was a hardcore version of the same movie. So yeah. in the softcore version, you didn't show any penetration. So I had a deal with Playboy to buy my softcore. And they would put it on their channel. And then the movie I kept and sold to whoever I wanted to. Okay. Well, thank you. And thanks for being on the show, Rob. And thank you, Patrick. You bet. No problem. Great to have you. Uh, let, let's, uh, this is the first time I met Rob. And this was uh, sadly at Bill Margold's funeral. And I thought, wow, this guy is uh, something else. And then uh, next thing you know, we're friends. So, and, and I uh, visited him at work a couple times and uh, stayed with him a couple times. And, and uh, uh, Rob's just a great guy. And, and uh, he's he's got a he's got a rough persona, but boy, he's a, a kitty cat on the inside when he wants to be, of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyway, have you heard from uh, have you heard from Kenji at all lately? Uh, the guy in the picture, Kenji. What's that? Have you heard from Kenji lately? The guy in the in the photo you're holding the camera. The guy holding that camera. Yeah. Do you know him at all? Uh, I know him. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen any. I don't see that many people. Okay. All right. All right. Good enough. Uh, let's go. Cole, do you have a question? You were you were talking that uh, you could listen to Rob all day. Yeah. <laughs> Cole, you there? I'll unmute Cole here. See if he's uh, all right. Cole, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All the stories that you could tell would be, it'd be a one heck of a book to read um have you ever uh considered or anyone approached you I with have been. Uh, maybe getting some book uh written about i have been and my thing was when the business i knew the business was dying before anybody else and i was telling big shots in the owners it's over no you know what you're talking about within a, a year after i started to say it business went down i mean russ hampshire i was in his office having a meeting Doors closed, me and him, and all of a sudden his phone rings, excuse me, and he starts, picks up the phone, he starts screaming. I don't know what he's talking about. I told you 19, not 18, blah, blah, blah. Screaming, getting all red. For like three minutes, hangs up. I said, Russ, calm down, man. You're going to have a heart attack. What's the matter? He said, I had the place sold for 19 million. The guy wants to give me 18. 14 months later, not 14 years, 14 months later, Larry Flint bought the company for 3.4. So our business, it died, and I saw the writing. And then I was like, listen, I want to shoot a TV series based on me 
uh, and what I do for a living. And I shot a pilot and I shopped it. Hollywood, I shopped it, shopped it. Hollywood came and they shot a pilot. And it's like 7 or 11 minutes. It's out there somewhere. It's called Pawntourage. Um, sure, Patrick can find it. Um, it's a day in the life of me. I was shooting a movie. They sent down some cameramen to shoot me shooting the movie. And there wasn't many directors like me. I mean, there were directors in that business that thought they were making Gone with the Wind. I used to tell a fucking monkey could shoot a porno. So <laughs> they put the cameraman down to shoot me shooting. The cameraman twice during the shooting couldn't hold the cameras anymore from the laughing and the carrying on. And it was nothing. It was all straight up. No, we didn't um, do second takes. It was a day in life with me. Where's the next girl? Oh, she can't come. She called. She said she got bit by a spider on the ass. Bullshit. Somebody called her up and offered her $100 more. Uh, we're looking for girls to shoot the scene. They're behind the garbage can smoking crack. This is what <laughs> went on. Seven or, I think it's seven minutes. It's called Porntourage. If you find it and watch it and sit by yourself and listen to it, and I've showed it to plenty of people over these years. How are you? And I... Um, I showed it to plenty of people, and they were like, Rob, I could have watched that for hours. I said it was just a pilot. I never sold it. I never did it. Hey, you. Good. Um, but I, uh, that was, that's what I wanted to do. That was, that was, I just felt, listen, the porno was done. Nobody was buying these things anymore. No 14-year-old kid today to 32 have ever bought a porno in their life and never will because it's free on the Internet. But people were interested in um, the making of it, how it really, what really went on. And when I first was going to do it, I went, I, I had gotten a house years ago and put cameras everywhere and I just let everybody shoot there for free. I shot uh, 97 movies in 120 days and it was streaming on, but back then everyone was on a dial-up so it was like slow motion. But people in the business, like the Russes and C Nobody wanted me to do it because they were afraid that I was going to ruin it for the, for the customer. They don't realize when they get the movie, it's edited. They think that people are fucking the whole time. I wanted to show the world what really went on. So then years later when I shot this pilot, and then I just, uh, I was done. It was, you know, when I have an idea and I want to do it, I want to do it right then. And I kept getting stroked around by, you know, people in Hollywood. You thought there were a lot of scumbags in the porno business. Holy fuck. <laughs> uh, you find it and watch it, you'll really understand what I was trying to do. Okay. Uh, I'll look for that. Eric Edwards is with us. Eric, uh, another question for Rob? Eric, you have a question for Rob? He can't oh. hear you. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were talking about questions yeah. Yeah. for me. Yeah. No, no. Do you have a question for Rob Spallone? Yeah, it's difficult when there's two Robs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're the original. Uh, yeah, I guess I am. Uh, just a tad older than you, Rob. Um, well, let's see. You've already answered the one question that I had about that studio uh, in North Hollywood. And uh, I, I don't know. Um, do you know the year that you actually started in? What was I came your first out, What was your first I, scene? 
I came out in 95, but my father's place was there for years. That was his place in North Hollywood, and you were definitely there. Okay. Well, next week we're going to have a very special night because we're going to have a, a tribute to Eric Edwards, uh, and uh, we invite everybody to come back for that. I'm going to have some special guests, and and uh, uh, we, we just look forward to having that coming up next Sunday night. So, Rob, it's been a very, very good pleasure to have you with us this evening, and, and uh, I think that everybody uh, is going to be entertained, and we might just call this Walking Around with Rob Spallone, but uh, it is going to be a, a good show, and uh, I really uh, appreciate you taking the time out to help us out tonight.
You got it. Everybody stay safe. You bet. Take care. All right. Bye -bye. Next week, we'll be having, uh, again, our tribute to Eric Edwards. We'll have some fine guests in for that. And uh, don't forget to check us out at www.jizztalking.com uh, or check us out on Twitter at Jizztalking. And we'll see everybody next week right here. Thank you.